turning a one-time customer into a repeat client, moving from a successful music career into film and television, and how about forming a team around you that you can trust? I'm talking with Colin Brooks today, Mr. Brooks out of Detroit, Michigan. Stick around. All right, and welcome back to The Adam Claremont Show. I'm your host, Adam Claremont, and here's where we talk about how to build and grow a career in audio with actionable tips from myself and others in the industry. And before we begin, I just wanna give you a free gift. Real quick, if you've ever looked at a project and thought, man, I don't know how to get projects like that seem unattainable, or seen other clients out there that say, I'm just not at that level, I don't really know how to begin to get those kinds of projects or clients, head over to adamclaremont.com slash client list. I have a free gift for you, and it's just a free guide with step-by-step process that just kind of walks you along the path, how to get the better projects, how to get the better clients. So I want you to have that before we get going. adamclaremont.com slash client list, go grab yours. Okay, but let's dive into the fun stuff. I got a great guest with me today. It's re-recording mixer and producer Colin Brooks. And Mr. Brooks, as his social accounts are named, is based out of Detroit, Michigan, and has a very long list of credits in both film and music. And speaking of social media, he's a must-follow if you like thought-provoking inspirational posts. His social game is top-notch, as is his work. So, Mr. Brooks, welcome and thank you for taking the time today. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. I am so glad, uh, you know, we, we, we hooked up and, and you agreed to come on because I've been uh, following you for a while. You know how social media is. They recommend things and I just love everything you're putting out there. I love seeing uh, the sex, success you've got in Detroit. And every day I feel like if I pop on LinkedIn or Instagram or something, sure enough, there you are. And I'm going, huh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to let you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one. You're just, you know, brightening up the days of a lot of people there. Hey, brighten up the day is where it needs yeah, to go uh, every day. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So you're in, you're in Detroit, Michigan, where I believe you've spent your entire career, the bulk of your career. Is that right? Uh, the bulk of the career. Yeah. yeah. So yes. all right. Yeah. Well, why don't you do me a favor? Do you want to just sort of start off this whole thing and just sort of um, you know give us the highlights where you got started. And I believe, uh, spoiler alert, you started in music, perhaps, and then you kind of pivoted and went along into doing what you're doing today, a lot of film and TV. Is that right? Correct. correct. Started with music. Uh, Started with music, um, let's say, back in the 90s. Uh, Was doing a little bit of DJing with a friend I used to work with. And um, that led to going to a studio in Flint, Michigan. It's it's gone now, uh, where... Tupac and uh, MC Breed recorded Ain't No Future in Your Frontin' mm-hmm. and a couple other records. And he went there to record. And the guy uh, let me, while everyone was asleep because the band ran over, most sessions do. Right. Um, let me, I was still awake because I was so fantasized with the, the SSL. <laughs> it was something brand new to me. I was looking at all these knobs. It looked like Starship Central to me. So, um, by that day, he let me, every day since that day, I think we went there five additional times, he let me tear down, help him tear down mics, help him set up the booth, because they had a little, um, set up the booth, set up the mics, patch bay, and we recorded. And he, that was my introduction to the Studer mm. uh, tape machine as well, because I didn't know what that was. And uh, 
ever since then I had the itch for recording. Um, to fast forward later years, I think I started getting back into DJing a little bit and started making mixtapes because mixtapes were the thing in the early late nineties, early two thousands. Then by fluke, I started creating my own little shows and characters on my mixtapes. Okay. <laughs> that led to this guy just randomly walks up to me and says, you ever thought about just recording artists and stuff like that? And I was like, well, yeah, sort of. And he tipped me up to, I, I knew about Pro Tools, the early versions of Pro Tools, which was the big monster monitor about half the size of this right. room. And it was slow. But... Uh, by the 2004, they had the home edition. I forgot what it was called. Pro Tools. LE? Six? LE6, was it? Uh, I think, I, think it was. I got started around five or four or five. So it was, a, it was home by five, I believe. Or you could, you know, it was affordable. Yeah, you, know, you had I, like the M Box and the original 001 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I purchased that and started. Uh, Getting back into recording, and then I think he introduced me to a dude who owned the studio in the, well, outside of Detroit. It was called uh, um, the Recording. What was? I forgot the name of the studio. Recording Institute of Detroit. I think mm. this is where actually um, uh, George Clinton recorded. Oh, uh, cool! I think most of Parliament recorded at the studio. And I uh, went through there and met and learned a lot about recording. I understood it, but I didn't understand recording. And learned a lot from there and walked from there to doing other, started recording artists to, I think, um, I ended up working with Eric Morgison, who became a mentor with me. He had the Studio A in Dearborn Heights, Michigan. And I was over there for about two or three more years. Uh, he really broke me into the SSL and um, I, I did a, a mix for Dennis Coffee over there and I met um, Clarence. I met Clarence and this story with this guy brought me forward to, I think it was 2009, mm-hmm. which is funny how I jumped from just doing independent artists to roll right on to bumping into working for uh, Denon Porter in uh, 2009, the summer of 2009, they needed an engineer. And uh, Eric Mor- they called Eric Morgison to see who he, who he knew. My name was the first name that fell out of his mouth. So I went over there to start working with Denon, which is part of D12, which most of you may know, yeah. which is obviously tied to Eminem yeah. and Interscope Records and so forth. And I was tied from them from that point on. It was right. like uh, just an overnight pop and worked with some of everybody you could think of that came through either Eminem Studio or with Denon from Busta Rhymes to Kendrick Lamar to uh, Common to uh, Dre was over there a couple of times yeah. um, to I worked with Slaughterhouse, uh, Words to Five Nine, mm. Crooked Eye. <laughs> it was just... A lot of people. Let's say a lot of folks. But the funny part is, where film came into play was the summer of 2011. The fall of 2011, I take that back. These guys came up there. I was referred to them from some work I did eight years prior to of a commercial 
where I took a song. It was a popular record at the time. And I took the song and chopped and screwed it to match the video and then redid the video to match the song or how it was chopped <laughs> and screwed at the time. So it was like a... And it remembered that me. That was like a fun project mm-hmm. you did just to see if you could do it type of thing or... Yeah, just... Yeah, just have fun? Just try... Just, yeah, learning something yeah. new. I'm always learning something cool. new every day. It's just... I never I never think that I will know everything. I have business partners that's in the room with me now, Steve and Van Lu. We all throw, throw ideas to each other no matter how way, or wild or off the chain they may be. Um, there's always a learning pool of information you never never stop learning right good but from that meet eight years ago brought me into film and they wanted me to do their sound for their film called 211 and the company was called moolah films and that was the first film i've ever did for a feature and i was terrified but as you know being an engineer you jump in feet first and you swim with the sharks and if you don't get bit you you just succeed and live in one more day to keep going again and jump back into the pool. (laughs) So that led to working on film after film with these guys to where I started working with other directors locally uh, on their films and film projects that are all listed on um, IMDb Me. If you go look there, you'll see a catalog of work I've worked on along with hip-hop records. And I think I stopped doing hip-hop records. I had to make a decision like right around 2000. 15 I just stopped yeah and said I want to do television and film period and once I made that decision it was off and running from there so why and you know this isn't like to say one's right or wrong for anybody it's it's an individual choice but why why for you did you you know decide to to do that and go you know music's been cool I'm gonna go here now though well originally I'm a fan of uh sound and that came from seeing Star Wars for the first time because I just so happened to be in California with my parents. And we were in San Francisco and uh, we they took us to see Star Wars. And to see something like that on a big screen just took me to a whole nother level on, on sound. And I was just intrigued of listening to R2-D2, the laser blast, the way the the Millennium Falcon, how do they make that sound to the um, Death Star blowing up to uh, the X-Wing fighters, that little little (laughs) crunch sound. That was pretty good right there, actually. (laughs) Yes, when it flies by the screen. And I I would imitate that with because my father went and bought me. well, Well, Star Wars, I didn't get my gift. I didn't get my Christmas gift because uh, George Lucas and them didn't realize, well, the company that was took over the licensing for the toys didn't realize that Star Wars was going to become the thing. So they gave you these boxes. It wasn't nothing in it. With a uh, redeem and six months later, your gift. Oh, really? Your Millennium Falcon. <laughs> your, yeah. That's wild. I've never heard that. Oh. <laughs> So I'm I'm excited thinking I got the Millennium Falcon for Christmas. Open a box and it was a letter in it. So you get your gift in six months. I owe you one Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Thank you. So when I finally got it, it just made the appetite to just play with this because I think it had sounds in. You put the batteries in, and I was just all flying all over the house and putting it in front of my face as if I'm in it and doing all these things and making these sounds. And that's where the creativity and becoming very animated. Mm came into play and I watched a lot of uh, 
Bugs Bunny, Warner Brothers to Disney stuff and just making those sounds and how did they make these little sounds and my mother said I was playing drums with the dishes in the house so I <laughs> I don't know it, it was a, a thing with hearing things and hearing what I see and seeing what I hear yeah but that bled into the the music somehow it bled into the music but the really ironic part about my my um my past is that I didn't come into hip hop till later I was more of a 80s baby but I was listening to uh the British invasion so I was mm. stuck in this little world of listening to Tears for Fears to um Genesis Phil Collins um that whole brigade of artists that came out in the 80s yeah. and then somehow I was introduced to Prince and then once I heard Prince oh, then I went to uh uh who else I listen to? I think Parliament a little bit. And then it drip, drip, drip. And then finally Run DMC. I saw that not King of Rock, ironically. It was uh Rockbox. Of all records on that album. And that did it for you. Where my yeah. mind was blown. That's what did it for me. It was the guitar. Yeah. And I followed that from that point out. And that that's what led me into hip hop, which came later for me. But ironically, most most people think I was recording hip hop artists for a long time. No, I was recording live bands mm -hmm. to grunge to uh, jazz bands and things like that. I wasn't even nowhere near or remotely even close to recording any hip hop till later. Yeah. Which honestly, I did record, but the the bulk of the work was a lot of those on analog tape. So you you know you're talking a lot about you know hear, hearing the sound and seeing the sound. And being intrigued by by all that sort of thing, especially Star Wars. Right now, mm -hmm. are you are you doing a lot of sound design, or are you primarily a re-recording mixer, or like? Why don't you explain about like what what your day to day is with with a lot of the films you're working on, or is it kind of very <laughs> multitasking? Yeah. a lot of all <laughs> of it. Um, scoring to sound design to dialogue editing, and finally, obviously, the re-record mix of it yeah. all. Um, and I, I have a quirky process but I, I'm doing the dialogue editing at the same time scoring at the same time sound designing Damn. so I have this little quirky way of approaching it to where I'm doing scene per scene and adding these elements if I have to do all three um, and it's sort of weird how I hear or I see the scene depending on the film, if it's a love scene, if they don't give me any music that's placed in the film from, I guess, a previous artist, what have you, or if there's a score that's already there, either I may manipulate the score, add my sound design and embed it within the score that's there, or create a score overall and then add the sound design around. Mm. Obviously, other sound design elements that you have to add is obviously just doorknobs and people walking in a room right. and, and the environment itself. But, um, hearing those those moments of excitement to sadness to a moment of pause, knowing when to add silence, knowing when not when to add it, not when not to add silence to the simple thing of this little doorknob. Right, yeah. Then it's quiet. Then a person looks over and go, hmm. You know, because it's being animated and looking at a lot of the making of Disney and drawing. Oh, I forgot. I, I was an artist back then too. I used to draw a lot. Oh yeah. So I had to. I understand 
because I took an animated class where I had to understand how to make a character walk from here. I don't know if you can see me from here to here and still see both feet. Yeah. <laughs> Go like I don't that. even know where to begin. <laughs> so, so to see, see, see them on their phones right now with their heads down. <laughs> My team here is now Steve's laughing at me, but to see them sometimes when they're when we were in here earlier trying to set this stuff up, I was looking at each one of them and the different movements that they each do, but we knew what each one was doing and we knew when to get out the way. Right, yeah. And each one of them have their own characteristic motions that they they do. Like Van Lu reminds me of like a a built up uh, Drake. <laughs> Got the skull cap on. He's reading, but he hasn't moved, but his fingers move. But Steve is more like this with his phone. You know, he's doing a little bit of this and reading. He's looking up and he's going back down doing his phone. Or when he's working on music, Steve has his characteristics that he nods his head every now and then. And Van Lu just sits there and just. He may, you know, move his head just a tad bit. But if he's excited, he like he'll, he'll tilt his head. You know, so everybody, it's these things that I pick up on. What in, in film, I've learned to turn the sound down. I turn their dialogue off after I clean it up. But I'm not listening to what they're saying. I'm watching what they're doing. And then I make everything according to what's going on in that scene. And I've learned that over the years. That's awesome. I love the way you just described that little anecdote, just about picking up things. You know, probably like a, a a trait of observation that's maybe a little more honed in than your average person, where you're seeing a lot more than what people see, and you're and you're equating that to a character, which in your work sounds like you've just got that much more insight into what the film and the scene needs. It's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That's a really good way to put it. So, are you saying I'm that guy that you? I'm that old guy that you see in a mall just watching people. people watching. <laughs> just, see, <laughs> just watch people, just look at them, see who's happy, see who's sad, see who's conversating, who's yeah. not, see who's married and they're happy, see who's married and not happy. You can see it in their faces. Mm. Sometimes a, a person's face will tell you a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I want to ask you what you were saying earlier, uh, the way you kind of work all at once on some things. Are, are you saying, do you tend to work linearly through a film? Like, let's say it is a, a project where you've got to, you know, you've got to add the score and you're doing some sound design, you're cleaning up the dialogue. Are you going scene by scene until that's kind of done and it sounds right and then you move to the next? Maybe like you get an idea and you're like, I just got to see this through. Ooh. Or did I misunderstand uh, that? It's a lot of jumping around. Say, for instance, um, after I watch the movie just to get an idea and make notes or spotting the film, should I say, uh, there are scenes that work together. Or they're they're parallel together. So you may have the the antagonist or the lead actor or the supporting team or the supporting actors or actresses or however you want to uh, label them move from scene to scene. It may be from one building to a car to another building because they're still within that moment. If that moment cascades for a reason to have sad music, aggressive music, because they're Something occurred. Now they 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 getting to the other to other side of town. I'm building up that energy right. as I walk through those scenes because they are tied together. Now, if there's scenes that are separate, like a kitchen scene, there the, these two actors have a dialogue, but then you don't see them no more until maybe 
scene 28. Then I'll focus dead in on that scene from the start to finish. I'll throw it in a loop and I'm cleaning up the dialogue. <clears throat> all those little pops and clips because I use um, isotope a lot. Uh, cleaning up dialogue, Voodoo. background. Yes, <laughs> cleaning up um, just any any anomaly. I'm, I'm digging in there and I'm cleaning it up and then I'm adding any ambience I need to add or score for that scene. But scenes that carry over and during those actors walk from one scene to the next to the next to the next. Depending on what's going on, I'll clean up the dialogue first and then I'll double back. And then I'll start adding those other elements like the sound design or if it doesn't really need it. If the room carries it enough, I'll just amplify those or maybe stack them depending on the sound like a door closing or a car door closing. Mm -hmm. I may add a, a additional car door and maybe put a, a slight verb on there just to make it because you can hit it inside of outside of a door depending on how heavy it is uh, to a closet door or someone closing a stove. If they're slamming a stove. But you know it sounds like a lot louder when you're slamming something. And I may add a little sound effect to that, depending on what it is. I may add, I may make it myself. Yep. I may sit up there and slam something on the desk and record it on my phone and drop it in there and just throw, throw a neve on it or fat it up. And then twist the sound or manipulate the sound to turn it into whatever I need. And just put layers under there so it, it at least translates throughout for streaming in in the theater. Right, yeah. And that's that's the whole point, right? Yeah. That's cool, man. So, so you know, I'm, I'm looking at you in front of this great console. You got this cool room, and yes, the yeah, Neve. and uh, it's cool that cool to see where you work. I mean, like I said before, I mean, I've seen you on social for a while, <clears throat> and I've heard some of your other podcasts. You're a busy, busy dude. And one thing that I've heard you mention or seen you uh, mention your posts is sounds like you've got a, a healthy amount of repeat clients. Yes. So maybe you can talk about that because, you know, I, I love to stress this for anybody watching or listening. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's like the, the gold for for having a long career and a healthy career is to have those clients who want to come back and work with you, you know, time and time again. You know, and just hearing you talk already, I mean, you can clearly hear the amount of detail and passion you put into each bit of work. So I'm sure that's part of it. But what, why do you think they keep coming back and what would you recommend to people to sort of like cultivate that kind of a relationship? Uh, I think they come back because I've learned over the years, because when you first meet them, they are customers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I learned to start building relationships with people. Um, and what I mean by relationships, like um, it's not, it's not just about you're paying me to do this job and then I do it and here you are. It's more or less, I, I try to make sure that, um, if they're not understanding some things, I try to be as transparent as possible and explain to them from start to finish what my part in their project is uh, and then how important sound is. And then I'll give them references uh, depending on the type of film it is. Or I use films that they have may have watched and I'll say, well, go back and rewatch it again, but just do not listen to the characters talk. Listen to the music that's playing behind them. Pay attention to the, the the action that's going on around them if they're in a club. Because uh, most films, you got a club scene at some point, or you definitely got outdoor scenes. You have uh, indoor scenes. You have the fighting. You have the shooting. You have scenes where it's you don't hear no dialogue, no sound. You just hear a music bed. Mm. 
right. and I try to have them relate to that so that they understand why I'm doing what I'm doing for them to bring a color to their film or at least life to their film because just mo sometimes I just get it is just dialogue nothing else so when I'm adding sound and and then a score or like now I have a, a another partner uh, named Tony Jackson he um, he worked with me over Interscope now he's doing the scoring now where I could just focus even more on dialogue and sound design mm. it just adds more fruit to the tree or at least more fertilizer to that tree that you're trying to nurture to let it grow for the for the next project on and then by building that relationship with these folks I turn a customer into a client and it just finding the common things that we can talk about like I may like I have one client now his son plays baseball no basketball I remember that they may mention it so next time I talk to him I say how's your son did, did they win any games to him it makes it more personable right and he he then he he's feeling much more he can trust me because I take care into at least ask about his son when you go to Target you're a customer <laughs> right when you go to the dealership you become a client because you find that salesperson who remembers your kids the last car you bought from them or leased uh, you start building that that communicable relationship with them. They may send you a Christmas card. Oh, I send them a Christmas mm -hmm. card. During Christmas, I remember their birthdays. Or I remember something that they talked to me about. Cue into that. And then bring it up maybe the next time I speak to them. Even if we're not working on the film, I try to reach out to folks. Hey, how you doing today? You good? Just checking in on you. How's, how's your son doing? You know, well, How's your daughter? Did she, she graduated, right? I yeah. saw some pictures. That was good. Good. So she, what college she going to now? Five minutes of that will turn a customer into a client. Yeah. And these guys can attest because we do the same thing. Yeah. We, we've built, had customers. Some people are just customers. You, then you got to know that too. Some people just, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, leave, yeah. It, that, leave it just Everybody's like Everybody's got the one-off projects here and there, but I think it's interesting, uh, you know, I'm sure you've realized this too. I mean, you talk with a lot of people, I'm sure, mm -hmm. but it's like there's a difference in talking to, you know, somebody maybe just starting out uh, or somebody with like healthy career like yourself when you start to say like what's the most important thing and like so many of the people just starting out or maybe the people that don't have those returning customers they'll they'll talk mm -hmm. about you know well the mix has to be slamming and they talk about the product whereas the people it seems like who are, have that long sustained successful career they start to talk about relationships and the interpersonal stuff not that they don't care about mm -hmm. the product obviously but really, like the stuff that like we really think about and we, we sort of foster, it seems to be, like you said, just like having real moments. Because I think those sort of like mm -hmm. trump, you know, any, any you know, shortcomings of anything else that might come along the way. Or, you know, I think they sort of like band-aid over if, oh, well, that wasn't the greatest part. When I think about the whole thing, it was really good. Cullen's the man going back with Cullen, you know, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like you always want to do like the best work, but those having those good relationships, I mean, it just, that's what keeps them coming back, I think, in the end. Yeah, you build, you build a, to have a true relationship with your clients, it's, 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 I think I learned that from dealing with Interscope. Mm. 
that relationship with like being in a room with M and Busta Rhyme comes over. He can kick off his shoes. He's chilling. <laughs> at the at the SSL, he's chilling. I know he's he's relaxed because he feels at home. Right, yeah. And I try to display that with every client or customer that I meet at first. I try to make them feel relaxed, comfortable. That's, that goes back to being transparent with them. I'm not going to sit there and lie to them and tell them I could do all these amazing things to your film. Then also when I'm sitting down spotting with them, I try to explain, well, this is the issue here. I can fix this. And these these are the tools that I have. Or these, th these are the things I'm going to do. Or you need to take this back and do some ADR. Or I could do the ADR. Or you can have your sound guy redo the ADR depending on where they are in the film. Right. Or whoever did the editing if it wasn't them. And it, it, it makes more of a, a mutual respect for one another. Because mm -hmm. I respect them and because their project, every time they bring something to me, it's their baby. It's like a oh. child to them. And you don't want to take your child to daycare and they come back with a bloody nose. Like, what's, what's, what's this? It's the same format. You, when, when I hand them back their project, I'm giving it to them because they know I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do what I need to do to it. And I'm going to elevate it to the next step to make sure that when the colorists get it and when you take it into the theater, the local theaters here or local theaters in Atlanta or LA and or when they go up on streaming on Amazon or Tubi. I haven't had anything on Netflix yet, but it's coming. All right. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure because it's, it's, it's my name, my signature sound on each project. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure it sounds good. So let me ask you too then, uh, you know, kind of stick along with clients again. Would you say like the majority of your clients are local to you or, you know, you've got a lot of repeat clients. So are they kind of spread around the country? In the last two years, they've been spread around the country. Yeah. So it seems to uh, it's it's growing. And I think the pandemic accelerated it. Oh, yeah. Which is a good thing. It's always have a good problems is the best thing in the world. But um, at first it was local. And that grew over because of Moolah Films. And I, I give them credit 100%. Because if it wasn't for those guys trusting me with their first film, I more than likely may not be where I'm sitting right mm. now. But they allowed their work, their work ethic, their projects bled outside of the city of Detroit that brought attention to them, which in turn brought attention to me because I worked mm. on it. And uh, after they did the, the TV show McGraw Ave., I think that really pushed them over the edge to where you had Shaq speak on it. Shaquille cool. O'Neal was talking about that that TV That's show. Cool. Uh, to other other artists, other actors, other people in different genres, and a lot of people on radio because they know people in New York, L.A. These these random conversations put them in a plateau, which in turn brought me up as well. And some people ask, hey, who did the sound? Mr. Brooks. And then I'll get these random phone calls. Hey, can you do my movie? Mm. Or when can you do my film? And when it gets to the point where you have to tell people, well, I'll get with you next month, that's a good <laughs> that's thing. That's a really good thing. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, I, it, And, you know, it's kind of worth mentioning, you know, like, I think every new person you work with, it's not so much about that project. Well, what's a way to put this? You know, the buck doesn't stop with that project, right? I mean, it's like a ripple effect. If you do your good work, you know, you do everything you've got that you can put into it, like it just shows with you, you know, like 
they're going to come back to you, hopefully. But the people who saw it will come back and start talking to you, all that sort of stuff, you know? Right? Uh, I think... Um, it's like expanding the network in a way. way. You know what I mean? Like one person, you sort of have their team on your side now, as long as you win over that first person. So like, you know, if I'm sure that they're talking to people and networking, and when, you're, when their work comes up and someone has a need, your name will come up. Right? A lot of, yes, a lot of it is word of mouth. Yeah. That I will admit. But then it's all the, the I think my social media, because you mentioned that as well, plays a part in it because of the, the inspirational things I'll post in uh, those side other conversations like I have with people that are turning them from customers to clients. Those that being very personal with folks that it helps them feel comfortable enough to speak on me as well, because I have folks that I've never really worked with who know me will speak. Uh, uh, at least bring up my name when someone's doing a film. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, not to yeah. <laughs> to talk forever about your social yeah. media, but I mean, you're very active on there, and it's just you can tell right off the bat like you've got an authentic personality. You're a thoughtful person, articulate person, and clearly talking with you, it's all true. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think that it goes along with that relationship building. It's just one more thing that creates loyalty and trust with you. Because, you know, you can't post as much as you post and say the things that you're saying as consistently if you don't mean it and live it. <laughs> right? So, True. you know, I mean, you know, you can get somebody yes. in there every now and then putting up a thing here or there. It doesn't mean that that's the way mm -hmm. they are. But, um, yeah, I think that certainly would play a part in a, in a positive way for you. Um, but, but listen, man, I, we, we got to wrap this up, I think, a little bit. But I, I wanted to ask, you know, I mean, Detroit is no small city by any means. But it's not the first one yeah. you would think of when you're thinking about film or television. So you're True. sitting in a beautiful space, you know, um, a new room for you that you're, you're currently building, some partners doing great work. You know, talk about, you know, if someone's starting out and they're not in L.A. or they're not in New York or Vancouver or Toronto, you know, some of the bigger film and television markets, uh, what, what would you suggest if somebody wants to be, you know, the next Mr. Brooks? Making, you know, mixing film and television. What do, what do you think? What do they got to do? I would say learn as much as you can. Never stop learning. It doesn't really matter where you are. Um, just everyone that you touch, make an imprint on them. And then learn to listen. I mean, I've had to learn to stop talking and, and listen to people. Because you, you never stop learning. Mm. Every person that you, I've learned this also. You, Every person you meet, whether it's someone at the grocery store uh, at Starbucks or at your car dealership to uh, even just us having our general com our conversation here in this interview. It's uh, you always learn something different and to keep your mind open, whether you're going to jump into television and film or music, um, you should still hold those core cemented foundations. Listen, Never stop educating yourself. Every project you do, try to outdo that project. And that's the that's, that's the, the best thing I could tell anyone now. I actually tell that to me and Van Lewis having that conversation. You know, saying if I never met you, what would I be doing? I don't know. It's a, like my, uh, Steve said, it's a butterfly effect, which is true. Everybody feeds off someone else over the course of time. It's just when you walk through life, just try to be nice accommodating and 
respect others as you want respect back. Period. That's great. Yeah. And you you you'll gain your career will take off no matter if you're in if you're just a sound engineer or if you're on if you're in post or production or music. As long as you got that core background, you're going to do fine. And and just learn. Mm. Just absorb as much information you can. Make some real friends cuz anybody could just say, "Hey, I know you." Right. <laughs> but can they tell a story about you is a whole other conversation. Yeah, I like that butterfly effect. That's that's I think what I was trying to allude to. What well said there earlier about, you know, each project it just keeps on rippling, rippling, right? Yeah, that's yes, a good way yes, to put yes. it. And I might add on on your behalf because you didn't say it, but clearly it's important to you having a great team around you. You know, you just mentioned earlier, you know, the fact that you guys are all pushing each other, you know, getting people around you with the same motives and same inspiration and and you know, people who can drive it forward. It sounds like you've got that and it's a big part of what you're doing. Yeah, it takes a long time to find equal-minded people. I know. Well, we're all working in these tiny little rooms, right, with no sunlight and everything. We've our caves, right? We forget that there's a whole universe out there, people. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. It's like it a, is. it's a real struggle, man. <laughs> Keeping a good set of folks around you that are not yes men, that will make growth for you and everyone that's around you, whether if it's three people, ten people, fifteen, or a hundred. As long as you don't have anyone saying yes to everything and you guys give the truth to each other, that will dispose all trash and that will keep that core group growing. Like good good example, Kevin Hart has a beautiful team mm -hmm. that with that works with right. him. Eddie Murphy got a beautiful team that's been working with him for years. Jay-Z, the same way. Um it's he got rid of some people and acquired some <laughs> new folks. It's just it's a growth. And works, but you gotta. If you're not willing to grow, let me just say it like this: If you're not willing to grow within, you have to allow people to grow that's around you. Ah, that's cool, man. That's a good way to put it. Because there's plenty of room, there's plenty of money out here, there's plenty of wings. My my wings are spread right now. They sitting over here with their wings down. But <laughs> it's going to be a day that they're going to have an interview, and I'm going to be on the other side of the camera with them. And while they're doing that conversation, I'm the one that's going to be holding the camera doing this for them so it's it's a you know it's all a relationship it's all friendship and it's all it's all mutual respect for each other and everyone is going to have that it's just a matter of knowing where to sit in that play field but it's nothing like having some people that you can call up like hey i got this idea it may sound wild but just hear me out right well that's awesome man uh, i appreciate everything you just said that's a that's a good place to wrap it up a lot a lot of again more thought-provoking comments from Mr. Brooks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, man, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Uh, we have to maybe, you know, do this again sometime. Maybe I'll twist your arm and get you back here one day. We'll see. But uh, hope so. I, I'm, I'm ready and yeah. willing. But uh, everybody, you know, hit up. Uh, you can uh, hit up Colin Brooks uh, on LinkedIn. Just search Colin Brooks uh, for some fantastic advice to keep up with him. You can reach out with him or reach out to him there. Uh, don't forget that free gift either adamclaremont.com slash client list you can pick up that free pdf guide and step-by-step step-by-step guide and how to get some, some some great clients and some great projects uh, that's all we got today thanks so much for watching and i'll catch you next time Bye.